sit down, man. Buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, I'm sitting here on a relaxing evening in Franklin, Tennessee with my good friend, Aaron Porter, and looking forward to a conversation with another old friend, great guy, Mo Levert. He's going to be up shortly. That is, yes. And it was great to get the update. It's been a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got to hang out before this with one of uh, the OGs. Got to hang out with our buddy Art. All right. One of the original pirate monks. I know. It was awesome to catch up. It is strange to live here and to have spent so little time with people that I hung out with every time I came here, (laughs) like once or twice a year. (laughs) And now I've been here more than a year. Yeah. Barely seen some of them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it comes back to that. Oh, it's interesting to catch up and how community. You talk about community is a lot like a hike where Mm -hmm. you're in clusters of people sure. and you know you got to go take some rocks out of your shoes they keep walking another guy stops to eat some top ramen before realizing it will swell within his belly and be uncomfortable these things happen when you're hiking and backpacking mm-hmm. uh and sometimes it feels like it's not supposed to that we're always supposed to clump always supposed to be walking with the same people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so how do you deal because i won't the word glib seems rude but mm-hmm. when you talk about it you're like it just is what it is you're sure. like, well that seems glib in the words of tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> like that's a hard thing to process how have you learned to deal with that how have i learned to deal with kind of the transitory nature of life and relationships and people are always moving in and moving out of our lives yeah um i think you know for some of us it, a lot of it depends on our attachment style for some of it's easier than others um yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. I had a great time this last weekend. I had a speaking engagement in Missouri when I calculated out the flight time and the drive time, six hours away, either whether I flew or drove. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I drove and of course, I don't I don't travel alone. So one of the the newer guys here at Samson, I'd say newer guys, he's been here already, I think, two or three years. But to me, mm-hmm. he seems like one of the new guys. Uh, Jeremy Sladen came with me. And he's been on the show before. Yeah, the coaching absolutely. episode about yep. a year ago. Yep, yep. Has it already been that? Holy smokes, <laughs> time is flying. Holy, yeah. Holy smokes. Holy that smokes. was kind of a precursor go. to what's yeah, coming. Yeah, they yeah, won't yeah, get yeah. him. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Jeremy and I, you had great conversations on the way up and on the way back. And then, uh, you know, I got a text on the way, uh, a, a message from some other Samson guys from the online meetings who spontaneously of their own accord and of their own volition had organized their own retreat in Southern California in – they made a great point – uh, of of, of <laughs> scheduling this for <sighs> Tustin, California. Okay, I knew this would come just, back. Just, Tustin just, is beautiful. What a beautiful place <laughs> to do it. So good. We love it. Yay, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I got a couple of uh, snapshots from them over the course of the weekend. And actually, on Saturday evening, uh, got to zoom in and spend a little time with them before they went to dinner. Oh, very cool. And all of that took me back to just fabulous 
memories of just wonderful retreat times that I've enjoyed over the years mm-hmm. with brothers, uh, some of whom are no longer with us, some of whom are here but have moved into other relationships, and I scarcely see them anymore. I think what helps for me is the knowledge that, yes, I can only spend a limited amount of time with guys now, and we're all moving, and God's moving us around, and we do have an eternity to look forward to, where there, you know, when there is no separation, and we're really going to be able to spend quality time with each other without, without an endpoint. That that is an encouraging way to look at it. I feel like you know we don't have to take extra time today, but this is worth unpacking a little bit more. Yeah, because I want to hear more about these attachment styles with this. Uh, I, I think it's very. I think just talking about you and I mm-hmm. with this, yeah, yeah. Like for me, I've got a lot of fu in my pockets, yeah. to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I don't deal with if you reach that place with me, mm-hmm. and it just breaks off. Yeah, like that doesn't. That's that's hard on me. Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that I need a certain kind of closure. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I yeah. can't just let it go. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I think that's probably a totally different process for you, what it feels like, how you let go. Probably, probably. I was well-trained in saying goodbye. Yeah, and mm-hmm. me not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's is an important thing. But I do love that is very encouraging that, okay, I think back on some of these guys and think, yeah, okay, maybe I won't get to walk with you now. But the the idea when Jesus talks about we're not going to be given to marriage, we're going to be like the angels in heaven, all that. And, yeah, I, yeah. and that feels like for some people, they're like, what? The love of my life. I will not be married anymore. Other people are like, oh, thank goodness. I can't wait till I'm dead. Let's just be honest. Um, but the reality is this isn't a downgrading. Yeah. Yeah. That we don't need marriage or sex yeah. to have intimacy. Right. We're going to have deep, intim- deeper intimacy with our spouse in heaven, but I also get to have that with these other people that yeah. I get to reconnect with. And yeah. That's actually deeply exciting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's fair Beautiful. enough. But let's, let's, you know, holy smokes, let's get on with this thing. I want an interview. All right. Well, we have one coming up. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
Welcome back to the Pirate Muck Podcast. I feel sorry for our listeners, Aaron, because unlike us, they can't actually see our guest. We have him on screen. He's a shadowy figure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's kind of channeling his inner Fidel Castro, I think. He's got the, <laughs> he's got, he's got the full beard going. Uh, can we call him Fidel Kerouac? I feel like it's kind of going both ways with that. Little yeah. Jack Kerouac, little Fidel Castro. And a, and a honking big cigar. Honking is right. Yeah. And I know where he is because not too many months ago, I stopped in, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida at the Holy, at Holy Smokes, which is Holy Smokes, Holy Smokes, a cigar shop slash guitar shop. Do you sell guitars too, or you just hang out and play the guitar? Well, everything is for sale. That's <laughs> in- <laughs> okay. Including well, my- but no, I I don't. I'm not a a retailer of, of of guitars. I would like to be able to do that. That would be nice. Uh huh. Uh huh. But you are in. Indul- so, by the way, this is Mo Leverett, our good Mo friend Mo Leverett. Leverett. It's been and it's been it's been a minute since he was it on has. the podcast. I'm just picturing right now. Can we get an acoustic guitar that sounds good, but part of it is humidor? <laughs> so you open up part of the wood, get your cigar out, latch it down, and play away. Yeah, well, come down and uh, put all those great ideas to work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Mo. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's an honor to be with you guys again. What kind of cigar are you smoking right now? Since you are a connoisseur, I'm sure that you uh, can tell us a little bit about that. And it's Swisher Sweet, I think, is what it is. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is actually my own private blend. It is called Umo Sagrado, which means sacred smoke. Wow. And and this is a my premium Maduro uh, Toro. It's really not that big. It just looks big. It's bigger in the camera. Um, but yeah, they're great. They're great cigars. Wow, amazing! So now, how I remember, you know, you 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 and I knocked around the country a little bit a few years ago. We did, and I remember you talking back then about how you would love to open a cigar shop. How long ago did you actually launch Holy Smokes? <clears throat> Uh, it's a little over four years ago. I, I started by uh, volunteering as at a at a shop as their um, tobacconist. Okay. And I, I traded out my hard work for them for free cigars, and so that was a great deal for me. And then after that came to an end, <clears throat> and I was trying to figure out what to do, and I was a bit in a state of depression um and i asked god what he would have me do and of course god has never spoken to me audibly but but if i sensed the response it was well what do you want to do and i said lord i'd like to i'd like to open a cigar shop and there are a few uh few times in my life where i definitely felt the lead of the Holy Spirit and where doors were open and I had the wind at my back. And this was one of those times. And in many ways, Holy Smokes has become an extension of my love for the Samson Society. It is a, a place where men gather, 
men who would, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're great guys. Uh, but if I were to start a church, they would never show up, mm-hmm. but starting a cigar shop, they do. And the cool thing about cigars is that it brings men together. It, it kind of lowers the walls, um, to where if you put a, a, a group of guys in a circle with, with cigars in their mouth, they start talking and opening up like girls. And, and so it's, it's become, uh, a pseudo ministry and community. Um, and it's also where we have Bible study and, and we, we have had Samson meetings here as well. So that, so there was a, there was a guy in my life that was really important when I was in high school, who was a reformed Episcopal pastor. And he would have some of us high school uh, high schoolers over and offer us beer and cigars. Uh, he is no longer with us, so his job is not in jeopardy. Okay, but I I remember he talked about cigars, and he would call it "We're going to burn the incense together." Being a reformed Episcopal, that made sense to us or to him. And being a Brethren Church guy, I would say, "Well, what's the deal with the incense?" And he said, "Aaron, incense is simply because sin stinks." And then we would sit around and do that, and we would, would chat about things. So for those that are shocked, like what you're talking about, that was my late high school experience with a guy that opened himself up to us. But for those well, you, that don't get it. Look in, Aaron, if you look in the scriptures, there's there's not a reference to smoke except uh, in association with the presence of God. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 6, Isaiah is raptured up into the... Uh, presence of God and the holy angels and they're singing holy 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 is the Lord God almighty and the thresholds of the temple shook and the temple was filled with smoke smoke and and Israel was led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, smoke. <laughs> there you go. this is good just and so, it's good uh, I, I have found that you know, it's not for everybody. I don't recommend it to everybody, but I do tell women on a regular basis that they want their husbands to smoke cigars. And they say, no, I don't. And I said, no, you do. You just don't know what you get. And they say, okay, well, I'll take the bait. Why, why do I want my husband to smoke cigars? I said, because he'll turn out to be a better man. He'll be relaxed. He's more willing to talk. He's relaxed. His his the stress level has has lowered, and 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 a cigar is not going to kill him, but stress will. <laughs> that's a that's a very interesting statement. <laughs> and how does that also fit in with the old saying that goes with a pipe that a pipe gives a wise man something to do while he thinks, and a fool something to put in his mouth? How does that fit in? <laughs> Well, if you Google it, you Google pipe smokers and you'll find out that pipe smokers outlive non-smokers. Oh. It's true. And and there must be a reason for it. And I think that the internal chemistry of a man um, is more toxic than anything he introduces from the outside. And, and if, if you've got something like 
a pipe or a cigar that helps you to relax and to reflect and to come to terms with yourself and and to uh, using what God gave us to um, to numb the pain of this world. I think it's a good thing. It's certainly better than all all of the uh, toxins that doctors are prescribing uh, to men and women to to lower the temperature of stress and anger and this that and the other panic okay. and what. Okay, here's a weird one. And this is obviously not at all. Well, I don't know where we we're going. So, uh, I have been really thinking about and studying breathing recently and trying to just take five to 10 minutes in the morning, five to 10 in the afternoon, uh, just focusing on breathing. And I'm just now thinking, wow, smoking a cigar is actually slowing down your inhalation and exhalation in the exact way that somebody that's trying to reduce stress create better heart health. Like it naturally is a product, uh, but not that I'm recommending it. I, I really haven't smoked many pipes or cigars much, but I'm considering that breathing is a big part of smoking. Slow in, slow out for an extended period of time, regulating your irregular heartbeats. Yeah. All right. What do you have to say to that? Sage Mo? Well, I, I think that, um, the health concerns with smoking have mostly been and rightly so attributed to cigarette smoking, which are full of all kinds of artificial toxins and stuff. Um, and the purpose of a cigarette is to draw it into your lungs with cigars. It's, it's very different and it would not surprise me, but that it does, um, slow your breathing down. Um, but for certain it relaxes you. And I have never met an irate pipe smoker or cigar smoker. That's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting point. <laughs> it, just, it just has a way of helping a person to be carefree. Yeah. And and so it's a good thing. I'm I'm enjoying it and it it also serves as a platform for relationship building yeah. and ministry. I have led people to Christ in my shop and uh and I've certainly uh helped guys to think in the Samson way there. So so can we go back to the you were in a hard place in life kind of looking for this new purpose. You had a I don't know. The listeners probably between podcasts don't know the backstory. The yeah. backstory of how hard it was when Katrina hit and you lost an entire community like that. Yeah, let me just pile on here to give them a lot to talk about. I see you right now as a, a pretty laid back guy, and I'm wondering: uh, Were you all? It, is there a fundamental change in the pace of your life? Uh, is it markedly different now from when it was back in the go-go days of the 80s and 90s when you were building and running Desire Street Ministries in New Orleans? Oh, it's, it is remarkably different now than it was then. I, I used to, I mean, my phone rang off the hook. I had people pursuing me. Um, from, from every place I was, 
um, meeting with federal judges and senators and, and, and being asked to consult with people all over the world. And my life was crazy um, and chaotic. I had over 60 staff and had numerous uh, programs. We had a church, we had a school, a medical clinic, and numerous other community development initiatives. <clears throat> and so, yeah, my life was chaotic from early to late. And, and, and my dreams were filled with everything that was going on during the day. And this was all in um, the, what was it, the 13th district? Ninth Ward. Ninth Ward. Ninth Ward. Ninth yeah. Ward, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's movies the and districts and aliens. Uh, so, Ninth uh, Ward, so that was your world. You served there. You, those, those were your friends and really your parishioners in, in so many ways. And you're yes. totally filling your time with that. And then. Well, and then Katrina happened. And of course, things got more chaotic before they became calm. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, the neighborhood that we had targeted for ministry uh, was no longer um, viable to live in. And and so we had to reconfigure and rearrange our entire ministry apparatus to continue to do what we were doing. And so things got really chaotic. I was probably sleeping on average two to three hours a night, running around the, uh, the southeast, find, <clears throat> trying to find a new location, to house our school and this, that, and the other. And, and then um, my wife of 24 years separated from me. And then I was kind of forced to slow down. And uh, we did reconcile... Um, before later she she finally divorced me but yeah my life in ministry is is taken on an informal role than a formal one and i don't know what god has i'm trying to figure that out my counselor told me that god is or he said said it this way he says mo the lord the world is waiting on your certainty and <clears throat> i'd say that I'm waiting on that too. I'm waiting on the Lord to uh, make clear to me what what future path He wants me on. For now, it's clear that He has me right where He wants me, uh, owning a cigar shop and having a ministry to men. And I'm continuing to to do music. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that's that's. I'm I'm kind of in a in so, a mode right now where um where God has me in in a holding pattern. So, I mean, you're telling this story of and I mean, you told it very succinctly, which is awesome. We're on a podcast, but these are huge things you're talking about. The entire displacement of people that are being served, some of which you probably never saw again after Katrina. Um, those relational pains and music has been kind of this thread through it all. 
which is very Davidic, right? We, we're walking through the seasons of David's life with his hurts, with injustices, with things he's wrestling with blaming God for, relational things that are hurting him, and he's expressing them musically. And a lot of our listeners that do know you from the past know you from music. So how has music played a role through these seasons? How has it tied those seasons together or held you together? Um, my music has been, um, uh, I'd say it's, it's been a, a source of kind of self therapy mm-hmm. and continuing kind of to, to tell the story of where God has me in the moment. Sometimes like, like, you know, there's certain songs that I write for my own soul, though it doesn't sound that way. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a snapshot of where my heart is in the moment. And, uh, for, for what that's worth, I mean, there's, there's not, um, I'd say at present that there's a greater supply than there is a demand. There's not, um, <laughs> There's not a lot of people. There's been so so many changes in the church and in the music industry that uh, there's a sense in which I am a, a voice crying in the wilderness at present. There's nobody really listening. Um, the church has become it, it used. Churches used to to do a good job of hosting Christian artists and. That's not happening as much anymore. Church has become kind of its own little concert. And um, uh, they have their own little bands and this, that, and the other. And, and so those doors have, have mostly closed, I'd say. And, and so it's the purpose of my music at present has, has really, it's, it's, it's kind of me holding myself up and, and continuing to tell my story, whether they listen or not. Well, uh, Mo, you've got a new project that's coming out soon. We've got a couple songs from mm-hmm. that project. What I'd like to do is play one now and then come back and talk to you about it. Yeah. So here is one of Mo's new songs, and uh, enjoy. We will be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. My whole life is on the line All my days are locked inside Deep in circumstance assigned Survival instincts long have died Every day since I was born I've been riding out the storm I push back on common truth Good intent also a ruse Kiss goodbye the days of youth Fleeces rise from every bruise
day since I was born I've been riding out the storm Giving up the search Tempted by the underground Among the outliers My church Every day since I was born I've been rotten Welcome warmly by the lost Am unruly as conceived And I will conjure up the cause Every day since I was born I've been I was born I've been riding out the storm Well, we are back on the Pirate Monk podcast Riders on the Storm. I th- that's strange <laughs> that you <laughs> wrote a so- what? Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Riding out the storm is what I heard. Oh, well that makes sense. I mean, it didn't sound like the doors, but okay. So, uh, all right. T- tell us, you you literally were riding out a storm writing writing this song. Yeah, I was in my cigar shop and um, a storm was approaching and of course my life has kind of been filled with storms both literal and metaphorical and um, I kind of buried myself in this shop and and realized that that uh, I was taking a risk in doing so but that that whole reality kind of became metaphorical 
of my entire life. And, and that's what I was re- reflecting upon when I wrote that song. Wow. wow. So, so we're talking about a lot of suffering. And we're going to play another song about suffering uh, where you're talking about the, the beauty of crowns of thorns. Um, how do you even articulate that to a Western culture where most prayers are asking for God to remove some kind of suffering? Someone's sick, please God heal them. Uh, things are going bad, please God fix it. Where you believe that Christianity, within Christianity, has a place where suffering is part of the beauty of knowing Christ. In fact, Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So how do you even start with a thought like that? Well, there is a sense in which modern-day Christianity is at, at great odds with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, as I understand the Bible, uh, suffering is integral to our sanctification. It is kind of the tuition that we pay uh, for the education and wisdom um, oh, I love that. That's great. <laughs> and and moreover, for us to advance the kingdom, and I, I think most churches and most Christians think that that the nature of the ministry that we've we've taken over from Christ is um, is is a ministry in 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 information or a ministry in words. What Christ called us to in discipleship is is uh, to take up our own cross and to follow him. And what is the cross? Well, the cross is the place where Jesus um, suffered for our redemption. And I believe that he has called us as well to make ourselves willing to suffer for the sake of others' redemption. Not in, not in an atoning way, as if our shed blood provides uh, any redemptive value to them, but in order for people to seek Christ um, and to understand and know Christ, they have to see Christ mm-hmm. in us, Christ suffering for them. And when I was at Desire Street, um, you know, people would ask what is is kind of the secret to our success there. And, and I think bottom line was that, that I, I was, it's not that I was so smart. It wasn't that I had this just really revolutionary, uh, philosophy of ministry or, or that I, I had gifts of charisma and leadership or anything like that. It was really the heart and soul of it was that I made myself willing to suffer for the sake of that community becoming a desirable neighborhood in which to live. And I think that's true there. It's also true here at the cigar shop. I mean, um, who, who would I be willing to trust? It, I'd be willing to trust someone who would take my bur- uh, uh, who would take my burdens on, on, onto their shoulders and and to suffer with me, to walk with me, and I'll never forget the um, 
kind of the earth shattering statement that Nate made at one of the talks uh, where he was featured and I was the, the kind of musical sidekick. I'll never. Um, but he said, never trust a man who has not had a bone crushing encounter with his own depravity. And I would take that a, a, another step. Never trust a man who is not willing to walk with you in your brokenness and in, in, in the manner in which your life has been shattered by your own sin. And that requires a person willing to suffer. And so suffering is, is central to what it means to be a Christian. Um, the cross is not simply a medallion that we wrap around our neck celebrating our salvation. It's, it's the way of life that Christ has called his followers to enter into. And, and so, yeah, my music, uh, is, is, is centered on, on that, but also, um, I have found that there, there are people who hide their suffering well, and it may be internal, external, what have you, but we're all suffering. And the question is who, who has the courage and the love to step up and be willing to suffer with? Right. Let's 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 pause on that for a second because this is important. I think there are a lot of people who discount their suffering because they aren't in District Nine in, in Ninth Ward. Ninth Ward. You know, they're like, "Wow, that's suffering." Mo's gone through this. My suffering isn't that bad. Uh, suffering is completely subjective because it all happens in the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look at a child in a third world country who doesn't have enough to eat, but they're very used to not having as much to eat. Mm-hmm. And the idea that a woman in Beverly Hills who breaks her heel on her $3,000 pumps can be suffering as much in her mind as the child without enough to eat. We're like, no, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. But it is true because suffering is subjective to our own experience and we don't have to compare it to other people's. You have a story. And if you are suffering, you don't have to look at other people and say, oh, well, my story, my suffering isn't real suffering. That's real suffering. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to go all the way to the broken heel uh, in uh, Beverly Hills but, as and, legitimate and, suffering. But but it is because it's in your mind. So, uh, in, But it, we have to deal with the suffering where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So anybody else discounting my story, my suffering, what is that accomplishing? Nothing. And if I discounted it myself oh, I because I'm comparing it, right. saying I don't have it as bad as this person or right. that. So what you're saying, Mo, is every person has a story that they have to be honest about, even when you feel embarrassed, like, okay, I know I shouldn't be suffering this way. And I know we have listeners who feel like, I know this is small, I know it's petty, but you feel it yeah. huge. There's still a process. And what is this process but being brave enough to share it with other people, to risk feeling like it's not as legitimate as somebody else who's going through hard stuff. And I'm really hearing, I'm really hearing Mo's call for us to step into the suffering of others, which really is to cultivate uh, the gift of empathy, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of other-centeredness to be able, to, to be willing to enter into the suffering of others. Philippians uh, in Philippians two it says. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, 
leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And, and so we're talking about, um, I've, I've referred to it as redemptive suffering or suffering on purpose or surf, suffering for people or with people. Yes. In, in, in the purest form of empathy. And okay. So the ninth ward is a place of great suffering and, and a lot of, a lot of need. And it was a unique opportunity um, for me to, to um, imperfectly express the love of Christ to people. But I own a cigar shop, right? Men come in and, and the reality is they're suffering divorces. Mm-hmm. They're suffering hardship at work. They're suffering depression. They're suffering any, any number of things. And to be honest, it's, it's a choice that I have to make to enter into that with them because sometimes I don't feel like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be with them in, in the tragedy that they have wrought of their lives. And, and yet it is, that is the open door of opportunity for ministry in people's lives they may not be open to spiritual matters until they suffer. And so it's, an, this is another tool of God opening up the hearts of people who would be unbroken and, and unyielding and, and not willing to, to, to uh, think about the things of God. But when they are in that state, you have the opportunity to walk alongside them and be Christ, to be the face of Christ to people in their suffering. And, and in so doing, yeah, you suffer too. You struggle and hurt for them and with them. But that is the calling that God has placed on our lives. And he's placed that on every Christian's life, wherever they may be. The reality is that, okay, you might be in a, a nicer neighborhood where everybody has their, their masks um, well situated on their faces so that they always look like they're happy. The reality is, I don't care who it is or where they are they are either suffering or they are are about to mm. um it happens just just recently a couple of months ago my daughter who was 26 years old died and um i can't begin to tell you the gaping hole that that has has mm. blown in my heart and that open hole is 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 an opportunity for somebody to walk into and to just figuratively speaking hold me and to be present with me and 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 yet i think what christians typically wait on is for you to recover from it so that you're happy again so that you can be part of the fellowship because if you're broken and you're sad and you're depressed and hurt and what have you um churches are not always the best place for they're not the most welcoming place and that's you know that's what i love about samson and one of the reasons why samson has ruined me is that i have i have a i know i can call nate any time of the day or night and if he's busy i know that my phone call has registered with him and and he's going to call me back eventually. And 
and fill that spot in my life and walk with me a little bit. And so I want that kind of brotherhood in my life. I mm-hmm. want that kind of fellowship. And it feels so dry when you walk into a church and it's all kind of a plastic Jesus or a plastic Christianity. And it's not real. It's mm-hmm. not where everybody is. I don't even know when you go to church where people are, but there's no, no means by which to kind of find that out. And most people aren't interested in knowing. Well, Mom, and so- let me, let me get to this practical. Cause this is, this is important. You're, you're raising the bar on what it means to suffer with. Earlier you said the words, some of these sufferings people have wrought upon themselves. And so immediately many people, myself included many times, is like, hey, you did this to yourself. So I'll kind of be here, but I'm only going to suffer with those who are the victims of somebody else. If you're the victim of yourself, you're on your own. But even within that, you are not saying suffering with someone is fixing them. Oh, they just blew through their money. They can't pay their rent. And so to suffer with them means I need to pay their rent. You're not talking about practical fixes. You're saying, are you willing to be present, especially when you are the author of your own suffering? Because that's when there's so much shame. Like, unpack a little, what does this look like for people? Right. Well, you know, part of the suffering that I have wrought on myself um, is the, and, or the consequence of, of the sin in my life has been the state of isolation mm-hmm. and being alone. And that aloneness is, is painful. And, and of course, God has used that um, to, to remind me that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and so one has to have want to shield a person from, from suffering, uh, the consequences of their sin. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I know who my real friends are mm-hmm. and they are the ones who never left me in my darkest path. And I have, you know, a few thousand Facebook friends, right? Uh, I know a lot of people or a lot of people know me because of the ministry, because of my music and this, that, and the other, but I can count on one hand, the person's, who walked with me during those times of, of, of greatest hardship and suffering and, and particularly those things that I've wrought on myself. And, um, that's what, to me, that's the heart of Samson. The heart of Samson is being a brother to, to someone who may not deserve it. Um, and, and that's, that's the means by, or the, the uh, the way in which Samson is is an expression of the heart of Christ, because Jesus came. Uh, was was the uh, <clears throat> God demonstrates His own love towards us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And, and so there's a, a, a way in which we're practicing the gospel by entering into the lives of people who have made a mess of their lives. Mm. Um, and, and the thing is, we don't come condescending because we have made a mess of our lives or, or we've certainly been there. Yeah. So we can empathize. We are all broken people. There are two types of people in the world. There are those who are broken and those who know that they are. And, and the reality is that we are a fellowship of broken brothers. And, and so, okay, so there's people who come into my shop who would never frequent the, the doors of any church, but I have the opportunity to show them Christ uh, because of our mutual love of cigars and because of my willingness to walk with them in their dark path. And so, so, you know, I said earlier that I, I don't know what God, you know, has for me next, um, but he has me where I am in a ministry, not dissimilar to the previous one, just in a different environment and setting. And so, I, and so, so I know people can faith. So people can find you, I know, on Facebook, there's Holy Smokes. Is there another way that they can connect with you? Do you have another website? Or the best way to uh, the best way to to connect with me if if you're interested in me becoming your personal private tobacconist, uh, you can you can find me on on Facebook, and I love doing that. I love uh, taking what I know about cigars and 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 kind of uh, uh, fitting people in in their mm-hmm. you know helping them find. What, what their template or their palette is is demanding. How about those people that want to go on the journey with you with your music through these seasons? Well, that would be beautiful. Um, uh, I, I have a new project coming out. It's called Autumn Years, and um, it's a eighteen song project, nine lyrical songs and nine instrumentals that are woven together, and. Uh, uh, I think if, you know, if you've listened to my music in the past, it, it, you'll, I, I, if, if you like my music, you'll like this project. It's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a cool, cool Hmm. project. It was, I did it in Nashville. Uh, it's been drug out for some period of time because I just haven't had the money for it. And I just emptied my pockets, uh, early this week and gave it to the producer to finish it. And so if you want a copy of that particular project or any others, you can, you can find me on Facebook or you can, of course there's Spotify and there's YouTube and there's, I don't make any money off of that stuff. Um, but if you're wanting to support me and buy a CD, you can go to my GoFundMe page and pre-order, uh, this new CD, uh, off of there. And the, the release date we are planning is May the first, and and so, I, yeah, I need I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to play the Crown of Thorns. Yeah, before we go, I, I you know I just been sitting here. I've been thinking about how wonderful cigars are, and I'm not a cigar smoker. I love secondhand cigar smoke, pipe smoke. I think one of the beauties of that cigar is you can't smoke one quickly. 
If you're going to sit down and have a cigar with some guy, you're in for some time. Uh, and, and I just sitting here thinking about our uh, campfires that we have at the fall retreat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down by the lake. Yeah. It, it seems like cigars would be a great addition to the, uh, to the campfires, do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm always good for anything for once. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm also curious. Mo, do you think we should get Nate on his porch with Allie and a cigar? I mean, when was the last time uh-huh. you had a cigar? Mm-hmm. I feel like we had a pipe or a cigar at some point. Yeah, in the no, past. no, yo, uh, yeah, I have, I, I have done it. I have, I have had a cigar before. Yeah, and and in in my recollection, I tasted it for the next year. It, it, <laughs> so well, what what you need, Nate, is your own personal private tobacconist, and I'll volunteer uh, for the position. And I'll find you a cigar that you enjoy that you don't taste for the rest of your life. Okay. All right. All right. Um, this is happening. Well, I don't know when you're coming next, but I want I want the porch time. All, all right. right. Sounds good. Mo, thank you. We're going to close this out by playing another song of yours. But, uh, man, thanks for the update. It is good to see your shadowy face there and your glowing embers. Stay with us, listeners. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. He was hung on a cross like a criminal there. Perceived as a lost, but in answer to prayer, winter to spring. Evening into morn You're beautiful in your crown of thorns Should you hold on to mercy and tie to grace Suffer this trial if you finish this race. Were they the reason that the Savior's won? You're beautiful in your crown of thorns. Suffer for justice You might struggle with strife You might carry that burden For all of your life One must remember When their tunic's torn You're beautiful You will be 
face persecutions and poverty here for his sacred name shortening of years from everlasting this is why we're born podcast that was crown of thorns yeah i do have to say aaron i am a little hurt that you haven't said a word about my new glasses oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it was <laughs> okay i'm sorry but you did come in with glasses with someone saying nate has contacts yeah 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 which doesn't make any sense to have somebody with glasses Expounding, extolling the virtues of their contacts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, no, actually, two hours before this uh, recording session began, I was fitted for the very first time with contacts. The very first time. Why have yeah. you never done contacts Well, before? because I have a very severe astigmatism. Okay. Which uh, has sentenced me when I first uh, – I tried contacts 45 years ago. And uh, they couldn't fit me except with some very hard lenses of extreme. 45 years ago. Yeah. And you thought maybe after 45 maybe. years. The it was suggested to me by one of my brothers last week maybe. that maybe I should try contacts again. <laughs> maybe advancements have been made after 45 years. I had years. gone – I would actually gone so far as to consider LASIK surgery and I mm-hmm. went for a consultation last week and the doctor said, mm, sorry, can't do it. Wow. Your, your eyes are too messed up. But oh no! So, but I got fitted with. Here's what the doctor said: I can fit you for contacts that will correct for distance, and then you can wear readers for close up. Nice. And uh, and nowadays they make readers that look like real glasses. So I have a glasses. Yeah. I still have yeah, they my look, good. look right. Yeah, but I don't have those really really disturbingly thick lenses anymore. And, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. that's true. I mean those. Those are pretty magnifying. Like it does make your face look different. Yeah, yeah. I like the lighter color. Uh-huh. Like we're talking people aren't seeing what we're talking about, but yeah, it look good. Uh, do you do you know what's going to be crazy? And maybe it won't be for you. But but I didn't get contacts until I was uh, 20ish. Uh-huh. So I never got to enjoy sunglasses. I had a couple prescription right. Right. pair that were yeah. always like treat them like gold. They cost a fortune. Right. 
And so when I got contacts and could just go get like these $10 pairs of like Ray-Ban knockoffs. Yeah. I love sunglasses. I am totally looking forward to wearing sunglasses. I've never been able to wear them. People don't get this, right? It's huge. So I I can't wait to see what kind of sunglasses you come up with. Okay, all right. Plus all the other little things. Like you're still going to have the phantom, my glasses are sliding down my nose, even Uh though you don't have any glasses on. Oh, really? The the phantom itches. Okay. I mean, it's a fascinating thing that, you know, unless people have worn, I started wearing glasses when I was two. Yeah. And wow, straight wow, too. Yeah, yeah so didn't have I've worn them since I was five. Yeah, yeah, my my parents. Well, they thought I was mentally disabled. Yeah, um, because I couldn't see anything, so I wasn't developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he doesn't know what that is. Well, yeah, I couldn't see it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when you've had an extended period of time where it's just part of your life, mm-hmm. and especially when things were so expensive as a kid, it seems different. Like, if I broke my glasses, that was a huge oh, deal. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. And especially, I want to say there was still glass and lenses back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So, you were kind of treated, and there was no cool thing. Right. Like, if you wore glasses, you were the dork. Right. There wasn't a cool version. Right. And I remember when I was in Los Angeles, first guy, and he was cool. His name was Raul de Leon. <laughs> How can you not be cool? Okay. And he would wear these fancy outfits, and he was the first guy I knew that would sometimes wear glasses that just had... You know, nothing lenses because yeah, right, he right. wanted it to go with his outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, how stupid is that? Like, I've been trying to get out of these things my whole <laughs> life. And you're like, so, you know, it, it's a weird subculture yeah. thing. You could always be a sidekick, but no hero had glasses. Right. Oh, Clark Kent only wore right. glasses until he became the hero. And then right, he, right. He had to ditch those things. Right, right, right. Uh, and I was always aware of that. Gosh, I can ditch my glasses now. I wonder what's going to happen. You know what? I'm going to go get you some underwear and tights and a, and a blanket to strap on. I want to see if you can fly. You might be able to fly. Abby's over in the corner listening and okay. smiling. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take my wife to a celebratory dinner. I've actually made reservations at a fancy joint, and we're going Just tonight. Just for this. Absolutely. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's good enough reason to celebrate. Well, you should get to that. Yep. But before we go... Uh, we, we haven't got any mail for a while. I feel unloved. Okay. Well, you are unloved, but that's beside the point. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. People, Abby, I, you know what? Am I unloved? I, I do. Say good. See, I have to tell you this. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what those guys did at the retreat in Southern California? Do you know how they kicked off their Saturday morning and began their deep work? Oh, no. They played the chapel service from the last retreat. Nice. Cool. And then they said, let's do what Aaron did with Nate. It was great stuff. I can't wait to hear how that went. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well uh, but we all would that to love say, to hear yeah, from you. Right you can send us, send us a note. Drop us a note uh, at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Questions, thoughts, jokes, haikus? Anything. Yes. All right. Uh, until next time, then. I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. We are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. the April breeze I love you echo the hills I love you the golden dawn agrees as once more she sees daffodils it's spring again 